0: Boy, in, in some uh, your Bibles, and, and so a lot of you might be familiar with this passage of Scripture that uh, I get to deal with today. And uh, often in, in our Bibles, it's called uh, Stephen's Sermon. And it's the longest sermon in the book of Acts. Uh, longer than what uh, is written for Peter when he preaches. Longer than, Longer than Paul gets gets later. And uh, even though it is the longest sermon in the book of Acts, my wife has informed me that this better not be the longest sermon in the book of Acts series. I, I actually drew this. I, I'm, not, I'm in a preaching class along with uh, several of the pastors here. And uh, the way I got into this uh, was uh I was the last one to pick from the list of potential uh, uh potential passages in Acts and I drew this one the longest one uh because I was I procrastinated I was I was the last guy in and all the shorter ones were were taken but what a blessing to have to to get into this passage and and to really find out I mean I've known about it I'm like many of you but what 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 did what does Stephen really say? What, what's it really about? He has to defend himself in front of the Sanhedrin now. And I don't know about you, uh, but that seems like a pretty stressful environment. And if I have to go in there, I'm sure that I, my face would not be like the face of an angel. What, what, what would you imagine that to be? Uh, someone without, without fear, Right. Uh, every description we have of, of Stephen is that is that he, here's a guy just full of the Holy Spirit, and and this is one of the ways, ways the Spirit manifests itself in in Stephen. He's 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 just he's just not even frightened. He's he's ready. the The Holy Spirit has given him words to use and and words words for us. Even though his message about the gospel. Has been rejected. Okay. Um, some of you, perhaps some of you, experienced this yourselves, where you have you wanted to express the gospel, talk about the gospel, uh, share your faith with other people, and you find yourself um, rejected. I, I I can remember an experience I had now years ago, years ago. I I. I I don't want to tell you about every experience I've had being, <laughs> being uh, rejected in in, uh, in in speaking about the gospel. You think that I'm absolutely no good at it. But uh, but years ago, I was I had a friend and I wanted uh, very badly to to tell him about uh, this gospel, our Savior uh, Jesus, and and we were out running and uh, I don't know the exact words that I. That I used it 's been decades ago uh, but I said you know um to the to the effect of, have you ever you ever thought about jesus would you like to would you like to talk about would you like to talk about this this man uh Jesus, or what do you think about jesus and uh he said well uh I thought that only old ladies would be interested in that topic. Uh, So he verbally rejected my uh, my offer. And then since he was such a better runner than I was, he just took off. It wasn't very long before I couldn't even see his back. He was gone. So he added physical rejection to his verbal rejection and let me know that this was uh, uh, not a welcome, welcome topic. I remember what I did at the time. I, I, now I had to run home alone. Uh, and, uh, and I felt terrible. I just remember, gosh, what did I do wrong? This is, uh, I, you're, I must be doing something wrong. You're supposed to be able to talk to your friends and tell them about, uh, about your faith, about, about Jesus. We should be able to do this. I should be able to do this. I, I'd like people to respond. To this good news that, that I have to share, and uh, and no way, I just I felt I felt terrible. Didn't really feel like doing that again. That that was a bad experience. So how should we respond um, when people reject our message, reject this this good news about Jesus that we have to share? Stephen is in a very similar situation. Reject it. Well, he's uh, really the guys that have been arguing against him, uh, disputing with Stephen, uh, have a hard time with him. He's he's so full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit that uh, they cannot uh, defeat him and his defense of the gospel. And so they you know, what do you do in that case? You get uh, false witnesses and uh, and Stephen is before the Sanhedrin, the same the same council of uh, uh, elders that uh, that that Jesus had to go before, and he's asked to defend himself uh, against these charges that uh, that the Christians are going to want to uh, destroy the temple, and that uh, they want to do away with uh, the law of Moses. Mm-hmm. And he's given a chance to defend himself. The high priest uh, uh, in 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 chapter seven, says, "Are these things so?" Peter's given an opportunity to talk, and man, he goes, he goes at it, and he starts with, he starts with the the founder, the father of uh, of the Jewish faith, Abraham. And beginning with Abraham, he recounts their history. He addresses them brothers and fathers. Okay, he has no animosity towards these guys. Uh, Stephen looks at them as his as his family, his friends. He has an opportunity now to tell them the gospel. Abraham, called by God, leave your land, uh, leave this place where your family is, and go to a place he didn't even know. God led him to the land of Canaan, even though he had no inheritance in that at, in that at that time, in this land of Canaan. But God made a promise to him, and he made a covenant. He made a promise that uh, that his his offspring would inherit that land, Canaan, in, at a later time, and and uh, uh, he made a promise that that the nations of the world, this this is the big part, the nations of the world would be blessed uh, through him, Abraham. He would be a blessing to all nations. He was given the covenant of circumcision. It's a, a, a sign that would show that they were set apart. He and, his, he and his progeny, his sons, would be set apart for God. Well, Stephen recounts how uh. Abraham is the father of Isaac. Isaac became the father of Jacob. Jacob, you guys, you guys know this this series. You've heard it in your classes. Jacob, also called Israel, is the father of the twelve patriarchs. So far, so good. They're all in agreement. Everybody's everybody's doing fine. This is a history everybody everybody knows about. Now he comes to this part. We know that the second to the youngest patriarch. Joseph is rejected by his brothers. In verse 9, it says, in verse 9 of chapter 7, it says, the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. You don't get a rejection much, much worse than that, do you? When your brothers take you, there they, was debate among the brothers to, you know, should we kill him? Uh, thankfully, uh Reuben, I believe, says, no, let's just put him down in this, in this pit. And a caravan comes by on its way to Egypt, and they sell their brother into slavery. Is that rejection? This guy could be on a, you know, if this was modern day, uh, he would be on a, a talk show on TV recounting this, right? Oh, really? Man, that's... That's bad. Doesn't get much worse. He goes down to the pit and then he goes down into slavery, down into Egypt, uh, first as a slave and then down into a prison and then God elevates him. He elevates him to have a hearing with, with Pharaoh, interprets a dream for Pharaoh, predicts a coming famine and gives... Gives Pharaoh a plan of how to prepare for a famine that's going to come on the land. And God elevates him so that besides Pharaoh, there's no nobody else in that land that's more powerful. He's the ruler. He's, in effect, the ruler of Egypt. And a famine does occur. This is years after after Joseph has been rejected. The famine does occur. And who comes, uh, who comes to Egypt looking for food? His brothers. Their first visit, they don't recognize him. Uh, Joseph sends him back. They come back for another visit and Joseph reveals himself to them. Okay? So let's summarize that. The one... That Israel rejected, that's Joseph, becomes their deliverer, okay? Their salvation was through, was through Joseph. The salvation they needed at this time was food, and he's the guy that provided it. You know, the first time I heard that, I thought it was a coincidence, all these things that happened. <laughs> uh, no, no. God orchestrated all these things. Eventually, the, the brothers, you know, they expected to be killed. And he says to them, No, the things that you meant for evil, God meant for good. He knew you would react in that way. He knew what you were going to do. And he set me here to be the salvation of the nation. Well, Israel is in Egypt at that time, they grow. They blossom, they prosper, but eventually a new pharaoh arises and the children of Israel are uh, placed in, they become slaves to the Egyptians. Uh, their, their slavery is, is, is so bad that eventually the, uh, the pharaoh, uh, uh, Stephen here, says that he dealt shrewdly with our race and he forced our fathers to expose their infants so they would not be kept alive. Okay? Israel so fears their slaves that uh, they force them to kill their children. Now, at that time, the second, or excuse me, the third character in, in Stephen's sermon is, is brought up, and it's Moses. This is this time Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. His mother keeps him hidden, and then when it's time to expose him, she puts him out in a basket on the river, and he is, he is taken in by Pharaoh's daughter and adopted. He grows up in Pharaoh's household and, uh, and, and is schooled in, in all the wisdom and knowledge that the Egyptians have. But still he has, he has a heart for his people, Israel. And when he's 40 years old, chapter 7, verse 23 when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand. But they did not understand. Hmm. In fact, the next day, he goes to break up a fight between, uh, between uh, two of the Israelites. He, he can't understand why they'd be fighting against each other. He says, men, your brothers, why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside saying, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? do you, do you want to kill me like you did the egyptian like you did the egyptian and abraham knows that he has to flee knowledge of his killing of the egyptian has become known and his life uh, is in danger he flees to midian for 40 years he has been rejected by israel god of course has uh, has plans for him he sees the uh, he sees the pain of the Israelites in slavery in Egypt. He comes down he meets Moses in the burning bush, and he directs him to return to Egypt to free the people of Israel from slavery. He says, "I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard the groaning And I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. Stephen writes about him in verse 35. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. So again, the one that Israel rejected is sent to be their deliverer. Are you seeing the pattern? God's used that rejection as a a time to prepare Moses to do this very task. Um, And this man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea in the wilderness for 40 years. I might add that this is not the only time Moses endures uh, rejection by the, by the people of Israel. It happens again and again. And, uh, and despite this, God delivers them. So the first, the first prophet that's mentioned, Joseph, is rejected by Israel, but redeems them from famine. The second, Moses, is rejected by Israel and redeems them from slavery. They both foreshadow Christ, by the way. Joseph provides him him food. And Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Moses delivers the people from slavery. And Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Moses had another thing to add, by the way. Something that is often forgotten when we talk about the law of Moses. Stephen says, this Moses, who said to the Israelites... This is, excuse me, this is Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. What Stephen's saying is that Jesus fulfills the law of Moses. He is the prophet that was raised up. So after giving them these examples of deliverers who have been rejected by Israel and then and then God uh, brings them to be the, the deliverers. God uses them as deliverers for Israel. Stephen challenges him. It's almost like he's, he's frustrated. You know, I, this is not the first time that, that the people have, have heard these things. Um, Peter's saying many of the same things in his sermons, and that all seemed to go swimmingly the worst that happened was they got off with uh, with a beating or two verse 51 stephen brings his his defense to an end and he says you stiff-necked people wow i don't know about you but i'm thinking When I read that, Stephen, do you really want to, is it really time to turn up the heat here? Shouldn't we be de-escalating? Why is he doing this? But remember, uh, everything we read about Stephen is that he is absolutely led by the Holy Spirit. I need to trust what he's saying here. They're challenging him that uh, he's going to do away with the law of Moses. Well, when he says, you stiff-necked people, who's he quoting? Moses. The same thing he said about Israel. He says, you're uncircumcised in heart and ears. He says, you have these traditions, but, but your heart's not set aside for God. It's not set apart for God. You resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, you're doing the same thing. Which of the prophets Did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one. That means the coming of the Son of Man, the coming of the Messiah. Those prophets who predicted that were persecuted. Whom you have now betrayed and murdered. He is laying at their feet. Look, that righteous one that was predicted, the one that Moses talked about, he's come and you guys have killed him. You who just received the law as delivered by angels, but you have not kept it. Like I said, Peter got away with this just fine. And thousands were added to the church. And it was a great victory. They said, Friends, what must we do to be saved? But Stephen's in a far different setting. And things really get heated up here. They heard these things. They were enraged. They ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. And he saw the glory of God. And Jesus, he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he says, behold. Essentially, look. I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and rushed together at him. They cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. You know, this is about as nasty a scene as you're going to get. I mean, if you're going to stone somebody, really put yourself in that, in that place. You're going to pick up rocks, and you're going to hit somebody with it, throw that and hit somebody with it, until they're dead. Wow. You've, you've really got to work up a froth of anger to do that. It says, and the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. So this guy Saul, he, he, he's, like, he's like the corner man. And he's taking the robes off the fighters and sending them in there. To uh, to pummel Stephen, you know when when a crowd like that gets worked up, um, they're of two minds really. They're wanting to do something and they're wanting to act on that anger, and it can go either way here. A cooler head could prevail and say, "Wait, guys, let's let's calm down. Let's think about this. Um, there's an alternate here. There's something else we can do." Um... Or if the right guy's there, should I say the wrong guy, he's going to say, yeah, you go for it. We need to get rid of this guy. This guy's blaspheming. He deserves to die. Somebody's got to give him permission and say, you're doing the right thing. Stone this guy. And the man of the hour was Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he calls out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when they had said this, he fell asleep. So he really follows his, his Lord and his Savior Jesus in, in, uh, in pleading with God that they would not hold this sin against the men who are doing this to them. Again, Stephen thinks these guys are stubborn. But he still loves him. He wants good things for him. Well, what do we make of this? What, what are we to do? What are we to do with this? You know, I think my attitude towards rejection, back when my friend uh, rejected my offer to discuss the gospel with him, I think it would have been a lot different if I would have understood this. I think for a lot of people, rejection is, uh, is a necessary part of their coming to faith. They've got to go through that um, before, before, they can, can, uh, before they can come to the Lord. I don't think it's something that we should fear. Uh, God certainly seems to expect it. And he is at work in spite of it. After the brothers had had rejected Joseph, uh, they assume, just assume he's gone. They have no knowledge that, in fact, God is preparing him and he's preparing him to be their deliverer. After Moses leaves, nobody, none of the Israelites imagine that God is working in Moses's life. But indeed, he is working to prepare the entire situation for Moses to be their, their deliverer. You know when my friend that I told you about years years later, um, he came to work at, at, at the same company where I was working, and we worked, we worked very closely together all the intervening years we were still still good friends. Uh, very shortly after he came to work there, I, uh, I went by and we were, we were doing some, some work together. I was in his shop where he worked and, and I said, hey, you know, on Mondays, uh, we have this devotional time in a, in a meeting room over here and, uh, if you don't, you don't have to, but if you want, uh, we have a little Bible lesson there on, uh, on Monday mornings and, and you can go. And to my surprise, The next Monday he's there. Wow. What happened to this guy? So I said to him, another day, hey, uh, some friends of mine, I'm not involved in it. But on Wednesdays, there's these other guys who have a Bible study at noon lunchtime over here in this meeting room. And if and if you want to, uh, you know, you know, some of the guys that meet there and, and you could go to that Bible study. The next Wednesday, he shows up with a Bible. So not long after that, I uh, he, he starts going to this to this Bible study. Not long after that, I tell him, "Well, hey, uh, you know, there's another friend of ours, and uh, he has uh, a mission project that he's going on uh, over to Africa and." part of it is 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 construction stuff and you're very you're very good at that and and he really doesn't want to work with that part of the of the project would you be interested in going and and he goes while he's uh, while he's on that mission project he has a, a wonderful encounter with uh with God and gives his life to Jesus. Amazing stuff. In the intervening years between the time that he rejected my offer to talk about the gospel until that time, so it might have been 10 years. God's still at work in the man's life, right? His rejection is not the final word. Praise God. In fact it might have only been a start. So we don't fear rejection. We know it's not the last word. We have hope. <laughs> I do think though that if uh, if I would have understood the message of Stephen and the uh, how God works through rejection, one thing I wouldn't have done is is uh, uh boo-hoo, boo-hoo myself all the way home. Okay? When I'm going, when I told you I was going home and I'm just licking my wounds all the way, uh, who was I thinking about? I was thinking about me. I think Stephen would have been uh, praying for the other guy who's carrying on his life uh, without God. I would have put the focus now if I would went through the same encounter. I would put the focus on the other fellow and say, Oh, Lord, be with my friend. Prepare him for the time that, uh, that he can come to you. You know, there may be some of you today, it would not be, certainly would not be unusual in a, a congregation this size that um, you're here and yet you have, uh, you have rejected Jesus. You like, you like being here? Maybe you'd like being with family, but your heart is uh, in your heart. You've you've rejected him because he is Messiah. He is a king. And uh, to accept him means that you would have to turn over your life to him. And you don't you you don't want to do that. That's uh, I understand that. I I certainly had a time like that in my life. Where I didn't want to do that. But now would be a good day. Today would be a good day to do that. Um, You know, there's hunger. Spiritual hunger. And Jesus is the bread of life. There's sin. Which enslaves us. And Jesus is the one who can set us free so today I would urge you to, uh, to end your rejection. Okay. And if you need help with that, I'll, I'll, I'll be around later when we're finished and, uh, would love to help you with that. And also we'll have folks outside here. Uh, very nice folks who help us to, uh, to pray for things we need to pray with just right outside this door. And, uh, I avail myself of them from time to time. The great people who can who could help you uh, to pray about these things in, in your own life. For the rest of us, uh, what hope we have. What hope we have. We're not... We're not dejected by rejection. We're not... Uh, We're not downcast about that. We trust God that He can use even rejection in bringing about His kingdom. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we see see you at work. And you work in in ways uh, that are just unexpected to us. Uh, we so want others to know your, this good news about your son. Um, helps not to fear rejection. Uh, helps to know how to act as Stephen did with, uh, with compassion, uh, with his eyes on you.